This is Focal Point for the 20th of March 2008. The topic is critical thinking and evaluating information on the internet. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira, for this week's edition. Hello, Chris. How are you going? I'm sceptical, Gihan. How are you? Oh, good. I'm the same, which is, which is good because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. It is. It is. It's, uh, it's as a consequence of this uh, great podcast you put me on to, Skeptoid.com. Um, and yeah, we're going to talk about critical thinking and uh, being sceptical. That's right. We've had a couple of sessions about this already. So we talked once about, some months ago, we talked about some of the electronic things that you can do to protect yourself from scams and, and viruses and people trying to trick you. And then more recently, we had a podcast about things that you can do yourself, such as look for safety numbers, which is a great concept you came up with. And uh, in the last podcast, we, we talked. About, we took the other side of the fence and said, if you're publishing information on the internet, how do you remain a credible authority? But this this podcast that you mentioned, Chris, Skeptoid.com, in fact, the website by Dr. Brian Dunning, he has a number of um, podcasts about various various bits of information, usually parano- uh, paranormal or pseudoscientific information, which every week he publishes a podcast debunking some of the myths, or at least looking looking at them more sceptically and critically and analytically than just accepting them at face value. That's right, Um, and he does it in a very entertaining way, um, but also, and and sort of exposes some of these things for the the pseudoscience that they are, but um, he he has some some great uh, principles that underlie his analysis of of that sceptical approach. Yes. And what we're going to do today is that in one of the episodes that he has, he has this list of 15 things that you can look at to evaluate somebody's claims. And they, they, the way that he's proposed them, they're, they're aimed at pseudoscientific claims or paranormal claims. And we're going to take some of them and look at them in the context of how do you evaluate information as you find them on the Internet. We're not going to go, go through all 15 because not all of them apply, so we've just chosen uh, our top favorites and we'll just take turns going through them all so are you ready Chris? Sure. Okay, yeah well, do you want me to start? Well yeah age before beauty so you might as well go through. <laughs> so what do you think is the number one the most important thing? Uh, the one that I like uh, uh, the most is is it uh, too good to be true? I mean if a claim is too good to be true then really um, you do need to be skeptical um, that's going to make you a little bit suspicious. And um, um, the way that he puts it is that an extraordinary that, that uh, Dr. Dunning puts it is that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So if something sounds too good to be true, what's the evidence that uh, the claimant is making in order to support that particular claim? And if it's you know, if it really is a, an extraordinary claim, you need a lot of evidence, independent evidence, to to back it up. Yes, in fact, that was my number one as well. And the, oh, right. <laughs> the most obvious one that I thought of was, of course, the Nigerian scams where somebody in some African nation that's going through turmoil has um, got millions of dollars stashed away somewhere and they just need your help in order to get out of the country and they will give you 10% of it or something, which amounts to like $10 million. And you've just right. got to think, well... Does it sound too good to be true? And in that case, yeah, it certainly does. 
and so you've got to look for you've got to look for the actual evidence behind it. Yeah, the, the, the example I was going to cite for that was um, water-powered vehicles. I don't know if you've heard of these claims, Kihan, but go and type water-powered vehicle into Google and you'll have uh, lots of links to pages that, um, for a small fee, are happy to send you the plans for a device that you uh, build from components readily available from your local hardware store, uh, plug into your engine, and lo and behold, you're going to double the mileage of your engine. You're going to make it last longer, run more smoothly, have greater performance, um, and yeah, I mean, these are extraordinary claims, but um, uh, yeah, when you look into um, the actual analysis of what's going on under the hood, so to speak, um, it's all, yeah, too good to be true. And that, that's it, isn't it? If it sounds a bit far-fetched, it probably is. It doesn't necessarily mean it is, but it probably is. That's right. It probably is. So therefore, be sceptical. Look uh, for some independent evidence uh, to try and um, substantiate the claims being made. Yep. Um, I had another example under, the, under that, which is when you get these chain letters. There's one I'm thinking of in particular that used to go around. I haven't seen it recently, but used to say something like Bill Gates is testing Microsoft's new email system, mm-hmm. and they'll give you a dollar to anyone who sends an email on to or passes email on to your friends. And again, that just sounds too good to be true. <laughs> And like you, like you and I know, the technology behind it is it's not feasible anyway for them to to track that and monitor it. But even if you didn't know the technology, it just sounds ridiculously uh, it just sounds ridiculously simple to make a lot of money. It does. And I'd like to yeah take the opportunity to um, recommend Snopes.com and I think also a similar site called Hoaxbusters.com, which devote themselves to uh, busting those kinds of chain mail hoaxes. So typically, whenever I receive a mail uh, message saying, send this to everybody in your address book, I'll visit Snopes and I'll type in a few keywords or key phrases from the message I've received, and invariably it'll turn up um, an article on that website saying whether or not uh, there's any substance to the, the claim being made in the chain mail. And invariably, it's a hoax, and um, I then ask the person who sent it to me to send to everybody in their address book <laughs> a message saying, please visit snopes.com before forwarding this sort of, uh, <laughs> this sort of hoax. Yes, I do the so, same. Yeah, snopes.com. Yeah, and I'm surprised how up-to-date they are. They, they usually have, by the time it gets around to me or to you, I guess, they usually have it listed on their site saying it's either true or false. That's right, and some of them, Gihan, like the Bill Gates one, keep I keep receiving that one, um, and it's been going on for years, so people are still being fooled by it, uh, in spite of the best efforts of Snopes.com and, and me <laughs> replying, saying, use Snopes.com. Um, that one's still going, and has been going for since last century, hasn't it? It's a really old... Yes, it has. That's right, so 20th century. That's right. <laughs> so you've okay. stolen my... Do you want to have a... Do you want to have a go at my second one? Uh, yes, I'll see if it's the same one. So my second one, okay. my number two, is similar. It's the one that says, does the claim pass Occam's razor? <laughs> that is my number two, Gian. Well yes. done. Here we go. So right. Occam's razor is a, it's a great idea. It just says that the, the simplest explanation is most probably the correct one. And particularly, I think this applies to things that you see with conspiracy theories. So, for example, there's a 9-11 conspiracy, which was that 
the Twin Towers in New York were not brought down by Saudi terrorists in two aeroplanes, but they were actually a plot by the United States government, and uh, hundreds and hundreds of people were in on this plot, and the public doesn't know about it. But when you think about it, yeah, that's possible, but it's certainly not the simplest explanation. The simplest explanation is what we saw, and that's the one that's most yes. probably correct. That's right, precisely what we saw. Yeah, it, it, it is a, a great, um, the Occam's razor test is a, a great test of, uh, of a particular claim, isn't it? It goes for all kinds of, it can be applied for all kinds of supernatural claims as well, that um, you know, lights in the sky aren't necessarily uh, the vehicles of alien life forms, that uh, they may well be uh, aircraft lights or some other physical phenomenon um, for which we have a perfectly rational explanation and that we don't have to invoke the supernatural or metaphysics or whatever to come up with an explanation of something that's probably perfectly mundane and uh, an everyday occurrence. Yes, and one of the things I found, Chris, is again, when you see something like that, that's, that may not be the sort of thing you find on Snopes or Hoaxbusters or UrbanLegends.com, which is another one, um, but you can just look it up in Google. So I've looked up, just type in the keywords, um, like if you look at something popular, you type in, like if you see lights in New Mexico, just type in strange lights in New Mexico into Google, and you'll come up yeah. with a number of listings that discuss that, discuss that very topic. And uh, right. again, the secret, coming back to what you mentioned a couple of podcasts ago, Chris, is to look at safety numbers. So look at not just what the first person says, but have a look at a, a range of them. And again, I'm sure we're going to get to this a little bit later. Look at the ones that have strong, verifiable evidence behind them. Great. Okay, what's your next one? My next one is, was it announced through the mass media? Ah, okay, interesting. Yes, I do have it on my list, but a bit further down. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I mean, the mass media, particularly uh, popular media, love um, controversies and sensational stories. And so they're happy to um, promote um, claims like that um, because, you know, it, it gets, gets um, attention, it gets audience. Um, so, again, going back to in, in uh, following through on some of this water-powered vehicle stuff, um, if you do type it into Google, you'll find that some of your top hits will be uh, YouTube clips coming from 60 Minutes and Fox News telling us about these breakthroughs that backyard inventors have come up with um, for um, powering vehicles using these kind of water-powered devices. And, yeah, they're great stories, you know. That we, we're going to reduce our carbon emissions. We're going to... Um, we're, not going to, we're going to break our dependence on oil if we all switch over to uh, water-powered vehicles. And so they're great stories that the mass media loves. Um, but for some reason, they're not appearing in um, scientific journals on mechanical engineering and uh, other places where they've been scientifically peer-reviewed. They're appearing on your local commercial TV news and consequently on, on YouTube. It hasn't come through a process of rigorous analysis by experts in the field. It has been um, it's, it's been brought to your attention by journalists who have an interest in um, in providing sensational information and, and creating an audience for for, uh, for their particular news channel. 
And that's the point, isn't it, that it's a different standard. We're not necessarily saying it's a higher standard or a lower standard. In terms of scientific rigor, it's clearly a lower standard in terms of mass media, but it's a different standard. So scientific peer-reviewed journals are about creating and publishing good science. News stories in the mass media are about getting eyeballs and ears into the into your mass media so that you can sell advertising. And I That's think if you look at it that way and you say, okay, well, the more sensational the story, the better it is for the mass media, whether or not it's actually scientifically valid. It's interesting that most of those stories, Chris, on, on news, um, say, that are shown in the news, they usually end up with the journalist saying something like, could this be the solution to the world's energy problems? And they, leave, and they leave the question open, and the answer is quite probably no. Exactly. But, but they just raise it. They raise it because it's an interesting story. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so my next one is, does the claim come from a source dedicated to supporting it? In other words, is there a vested interest behind it? Yes. So, and the, the way that Professor Dunning puts it, or Dr. Dunning puts it, is that science works by starting with the null hypothesis and searching for evidence where pseudoscience starts with the positive hypothesis and then finds supporting questionable evidence and anecdotes that, that will then support that hypothesis. And, and I think that's, that's true of anything that you see on the Internet. There's quite often vested interest around it. Now, I'm not against vested interest, so I think that sometimes it makes sense that the people who are proposing something are the ones who have some sort of interest behind it because they're probably the ones who've researched it and have done some investigation and maybe even have some money to make out of it. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the claim is false, but it does mean that you should look at, I guess, follow the money trail or follow the vested interest behind it. That's exactly right. We talked about this uh, the other night when we were out to dinner. Often uh, people who are out there debunking things like... Um, climate change or anthropogenic climate change, if you follow the money trail, you um, sometimes find that um, vested interests are often funding these people's um, activities, so oil companies, for instance. Now, that's something uh, that uh, should raise your, make you suspicious and sceptical and require a higher standard of, um, of evidence from from such people, but it doesn't necessarily mean, it stands to reason, for instance, that uh, particular vested interests might be funding that kind of research and, and spending the time and effort in doing so. Um, so it doesn't rule out that particular claim, but it does mean that uh, you need to be a bit more critical in, in analysing the claim. Oh. Okay, okay, so what's your next one? That leads me, that leads me to my next one, actually, which is, um, does the claim have political ideological have support that's political ideological or cultural mm. um, it's a bit like a, the vested interests um, idea as well in that sometimes a particular ideology might be driving the claim and um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's true that um, just saying something's politically correct doesn't make it true uh, science is is blind to the politics or the ideology or the culture of uh, any particular fact or, or claim. It's either true or it's not true, and, and the politics and the ideologies surrounding it uh, are kind of irrelevant. Um, so sometimes people crowd their arguments with, um, with ideological or politically correct um, um, trappings. Um, and so, yeah, it, it sort of, if it's coming from a vested interest, 
then um, you need to be then you need to sort of look at is there a particular ideology driving this rather than um, is it a scientific or a scientific claim that's being made is it backed up by some hard facts and some science yes you're right good yep. okay my next one is I think we're now drilling down deeper into analysing this Chris so my, my next one is do the claimants have legitimate credentials and this is a tricky one because we've talked about the fact that it's very easy to fake your credentials or get credentials from or quote credentials that seem credible but actually they're, they're not really based on on what we would normally accept as being legitimate academic qualifications for example uh, but that's one of the things to look for as a graduate of Thunderwood College, Gihan, you're well aware of that. That's right. So again, I'll remind people, thunderwoodcollege.com, where you can get your own PhD in about two minutes for nothing. Much better than yours, Chris. How many years did it take you? That's right. I'm jealous. <laughs> yes. I should get one. You should. I'm surprised you haven't already. Um, but that's, that is something to look at. So you look at, look at people's qualifications, credentials, experience, expertise, some of the things we talked about in the last podcast, things that you can do to demonstrate your expertise are the things that your audience should be looking at to test your expertise. Again, this doesn't necessarily mean that your, that your claims are, are real or valid or that you're even making claims that are related to your area of expertise. Just because you're a doctor so-and-so doesn't mean that you have uh, that you're necessarily an expert in every area. But it is one thing to look for, legitimate credentials. Yeah, it helps. But the flip side of that, Gihan, <clears throat> is that the absence of, uh, say, um, academic credentials isn't necessarily um, doesn't necessarily uh, mean that your claims are false. You can't say that, well, Gihan, because you don't have um, um, a PhD in, well, because you don't have a PhD, you're therefore not qualified to talk about um, a particular topic like IT, even though you have a BSc and honours and all that sort of thing and only have a PhD from Thunderwood College, absence of credentials doesn't necessarily invalidate some claims. Correct, I agree. Good, what's your next one? Are the claimants upfront about their testing? Uh, yeah, that's an so interesting one, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, if, if they tell you, uh, if they disclose the, the methodology by which... Um, they did their testing. If they if they provide some results and make some claims, then how did they um, actually go about testing? Um, their how, how did they go about testing in order to come up with those claims? And have they disclosed all the information about it so that you can independently verify uh, those tests yourself? If they don't tell you what they did in order to substantiate their claims, then you can't independently verify that particular that particular claim. So yes, and they need to be upfront. I think that's one of the that's one of the biggest criticisms of a lot of the pseudoscientific claims, the paranormal claims, that they don't release their data, or they they just basically say, "Look, trust us, we know what we're doing," and assume that you will. And um, scientific people and rational thinkers and skeptical thinkers will say, "Hold on, give us something that we can then verify or even reproduce ourselves." Mm. There's an interesting... Often, um, sorry, go on. There you go ahead. I was going to say, and often, like on the internet, some of these internet ones, or these guys who've come up with, again, <laughs> this, the water-powered vehicles uh, area provides a, a great source of information for this. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's been, <laughs> obviously, I'll be seeing you driving a water-powered vehicle soon, Chris. 
That's right. <laughs> but if I don't get that gear, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So often they'll say, oh, well, it's a secret. I can't tell you uh, precisely how it's done because um, I, it's being patented at the moment or it's... it's um, it, it needs to be. It needs to remain a secret for for the time being. I can't fully disclose that sort of thing. So they'll they'll uh, give you the numbers without giving you uh, full details. Yes, and yet they still want your money for their venture capital funding. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> There's a little thing that's slightly related. It's, it's related to this. And when I was reading this, I thought of this. It's not quite the same thing, but part of it is that um, the question I would ask is. Does the claimant present both positive and negative viewpoints? And quite often, if they only present the positive, which is fair enough, you can understand them doing that, but then again, you should be skeptical and ask, are there any negatives to this? Um, and particularly at the moment, Chris, I'm looking at buying another investment property, and this issue came up. I'm looking at going through an organization that seems pretty good, uh, but, they've, but of course, one of the first things I did was looked up Google, to, uh, just looked up the organization's name, and they get a little bit of bad press or bad discussion from people randomly talking about them in negative ways on the Internet. And in fact, there's one person who's been very forthright and even gone to the media criticizing this organization. And one of the things I noticed is that the organization on the homepage of their website, they they tackle those claims straight away. They say so-and-so has been saying this in the media, and here's some information that um, comes from an independent source that verifies that we're telling the truth, and he's not. And I thought there was, whether or not that's true, and again, there's just like he says, she says, you don't really know who's actually telling the truth, but at least the fact that they were willing to tackle it rather than brush it under the carpet, I thought was a very positive sign. Right, I see, yes. Yeah, cherry-picking just the positive, um, yeah, it does lead you to be sceptical because you would have come across that information. If it hadn't been tackled, then you're left with big question marks that, uh, again, this company had um, had at least tackled. Yes, and this is the, it was the, they obviously know that they've been blasted in the media, that they've been criticised, and you'd have to think, well, why aren't they saying anything about it? Maybe there's some truth to it. Whereas actually they took the they took the approach of saying no, we'll be upfront, we will put our evidence out there, and they're saying well, judge for yourself, which is I think always a good way of presenting information, is to say here's all the inf- here's all the evidence, judge for yourself. And I think the exercise that you went through is is um, is good advice for our listeners, isn't it? That um, do the what do they do? Call it the scuttlebutt. Look for the scuttlebutt. Go and do some independent searching. Use Google. Google's a great uh, way of finding out about organisations that you might be interested in spending money with. Um, and if you are an organisation, be aware of, of what's being said about you through independent channels and, and tackle it in a positive way. Now, that's an interesting one. So let's just quickly go off on that little tangent. Um, mm. There's a wonderful free tool called Google Alerts, which we might have alluded to earlier, Chris, in, in an earlier podcast. But let's talk about right. that in this context. You can go to google.com, go to the news link, and there's a thing that says alerts. And what it'll allow you to do is type in any word, any phrase, and in this context, I would suggest you type in your own name, in quotation marks, so you might be Chris Padney, or you type in your organization name, if you're an organization, And Google will send you every day or every week, whichever one you prefer, every new thing that's added to Google that contains that word or phrase. 
So if you'd like to see what people are saying about you, or you'd like to see what people are saying about your organization, just sign up to Google Alerts and you'll get emailed every time your name or your organization name gets mentioned. So it's a really good way right. to keep in touch of uh, keep in touch with what's happening. It's like the it's like the the simple man's version of a press clipping service. So you can get professional clipping I services which will do that for you, but you can also do it yourself with Google Alerts. I see. They're like media monitors and those sorts of organizations. Exactly, exactly. But it's like right. a do-it-yourself version. And that Google Alerts, is that the full breadth of Google's databases? So from Google Groups through its standard um, web page indexing services through news, dot, dot, dot? So you can choose. So you can choose whether you'd like just right. the Google search pages or you can choose whether you'd like blogs. I think blogs is one. Okay. You can certainly choose news as well. So it allows you to choose uh, to filter a little bit uh, on where you receive information from. Okay, great. Great. All right, well, up any dirt on you, Gihan? <laughs> um, yes, but I've suppressed it. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. But, but one of my clients does this, and he has, he has, in fact, put his name in, and he says wherever he appears, and he actually noticed that he appeared in one of my blog posts, so he was able to check it out and then refer other people to that blog post because it, it actually presented him in a positive light, and um, he was able to refer other people to that to gain credibility. I think we've got time for one more each, Chris. Okay, well, um, <laughs> speaking of that, that's great because that last one leads to my next one, which is, is the claim being suppressed by... Um, things like big oil in the case of my favorite uh, whipping boy today, water-powered vehicles. Yes, um, or so, yeah, pharmaceutical the, companies or the or government. pharmaceutical companies or the government, yeah, you name it, um, intelligence yes. agencies, the Defence Department. Yeah, so um, there's, there's a reason we're not all driving water-powered vehicles, Gihan, and that's because big oil want us to keep buying petrol. So, uh, yeah, so claims, is the claim being suppressed is, a, is another claim often made um, that is a, a red flag for um, pseudoscience and so forth. And one of the tricky things about any sort of those conspiracy theories, because that's what we're talking about here, is that yeah. any evidence that the claim's not being su suppressed is just part of the conspiracy. It is. So it's one of those things that can't be proved wrong. You cannot yeah. prove that big oil is not there because as soon as you do that, as soon as you say, well, here's a scientific report that demonstrates the evidence. Of course, there will be some. There will, the, the counterclaim is that that was that was funded by a big oil company, mm -hmm. and if in fact it wasn't, and it was funded by somebody independent, then you say, well, the big oil company is behind that independent organisation. So it's um, like that. The, the claim that something is being suppressed and that there's a conspiracy cannot be disproven, so it shouldn't be taken seriously. Yeah, yeah, it, that's right. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. Um, it's not a theory. It can't be disproven. Yes. Okay, so my last one, how good is the quality of the data supporting the claim? Mm -hmm. So we talked about the fact that sometimes the data isn't even made available. Sometimes the evidence isn't even there. And um, I've seen this with, uh, with another of the issues we've raised today, which is the climate change issue. And mm -hmm. there are definitely people who have very strong opinions on either side. And... Again, you can use the internet to find out, to research some of the quality of the evidence behind it. So there's Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth movie, there's Michael Crichton's fiction novel, 
to be fair, called State of Fear, which takes the opposite approach. But both of them quote supposedly scientific data. And uh, if you look at, if you then do your own independent research, rather than just believing it because they say it's scientific, you'll find that it's certainly not as clear-cut and simple as either of them makes it out to be, and they're on opposite sides of the debate. That's right. Ultimately, uh, because they do claim uh, that they do um, cite scientific data, you can go back to the original data. So that, that's sort of your saviour. You have to you have to do the the research yourself. You can't take Al's word for it or um, Michael's word for it. Crichton, that is. But um, one of the difficulties, though, is that we're not all climatologists. If it's climate 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 papers that are being cited so at some level you you have to sort of put your trust um, either in the conclusions drawn in the original paper itself or whomever is citing and summarizing that data for you um, and that's that that's tricky I find again I've been using the internet a lot to try and make sense of this particular debate and at some point you know I, I can't make sense of the of what climatologists are going about, on about in, in the papers themselves because I don't have that, uh, that scientific background. And so I have to kind of take their word for it. I think you're right. I think you look at the conclusions of the papers um, because we don't have the knowledge to do the statistical analysis or the scientific analysis of them. Mm. But at least we can start with scientifically valid, peer-reviewed um, academic papers yeah. So, yes, okay, so that's quite a lot that we covered there, Chris. I think we covered most of them, do you have? I think we did. I think we got through about ten, I'd say, um, eight right. to ten of them. So any overriding comment you'd like to make? Uh, yeah, I think um, the important thing, because at the start of this podcast you pointed out we talked about some of the technological um, technological tools we have at our fingertips with the internet these days to help us um, sift through uh, the garbage from the, the, the real information, the truth, but that that can only get you so far. At the end, you do have to apply your own critical thinking uh, to these kinds of claims and problems. And so some of the, the uh, techniques uh, that we've pointed out today uh, will come to your aid. And perhaps we can also provide a link to... Uh, to the Skeptoid podcast and this particular podcast as well. I will do. That lists all 15, Gihan. Yep, I will do, for sure. And I'll also link to Snopes.com, Hoaxbusters.com and UrbanLegends.com in the show notes for this podcast. That's right, and send them to all the people in your address book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> should point out, we're just joking. <laughs> <laughs> just for anyone who takes us too seriously, which you should never do. Always think about it skeptically and critically, and think analytically. I think the overriding thing is just think for yourself. When you get something, don't just assume it's true, regardless of how legitimate it looks, or how many people it claims have are supporting this. Just think for yourself and take a few extra seconds to just do your own thinking first before you start uh, believing what you see or read on the internet. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. I'll see you back in a couple of weeks' time. Will do. You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. 
subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.